Welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. Crib Notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the Crib Notes version of the major headlines from the past week. In each episode, we try to cover the White House, Congress, national headlines, international headlines, climate change, and some side story that doesn't quite fit into any of those categories. Okay, here we go. The White House. This week, Trump hosted a televised meeting at the White House to discuss gang violence and turned the discussion towards immigration, two issues which appear to be more or less synonymous in the minds of this administration. He mentioned many times his willingness to shut the government down over disagreements about immigration legislation. If we don't change it, let's have a shutdown. We'll do a shutdown, and it's worth it for our country. I'd love to see a shutdown if we don't get this stuff taken care of. Without borders, we don't have a country. So would I shut it down over this issue? Yes. Republican Congresswoman Barbara Comstock was among those who voiced opposition to this stance at the meeting. Trump has offered a deal which includes a path to citizenship for 1.8 million Dreamers, about twice the number of current DACA recipients. In exchange, he wants full funding for his border wall, he wants to end the practice of visa sponsorships for family members of immigrants, and he wants to reallocate visas currently reserved for the diversity lottery to a merit-based system. In explaining the plan this week, Chief of Staff John Kelly had this to say. The difference between 690 and 1.8 million were the people that some would say were too afraid to sign up, others would say were too lazy to get off their asses, but they didn't sign up. When faced with follow-up questions on that opinion, Kelly doubled down, saying he believes a lot of dreamers should have gotten up off the couch to sign up. In other White House news, Trump has directed the Pentagon to host a military parade. This has folks all along the political spectrum rolling their eyes. Apparently quite taken with a military parade he saw in France last year, Trump has expressed an interest in a celebratory show of the United States' military strength for months. And according to White House staff, including Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, that interest has evolved into a formal request to the Pentagon to start making plans. Critics say rolling heavy weaponry down Pennsylvania Avenue shines the United States in a similar light to that of countries that use marches like these to boast about state power, such as Russia, China, and North Korea. Advocates, which based on my research mainly includes pundits on Fox News, say it's not about celebrating the weaponry, it's about celebrating patriotism. Incidentally, I watched an interview about this on Fox News, and seemingly to the surprise of the host, the guest was against it too, because as he put it, such a parade is expensive, unnecessary, and throws off important training schedules. Congress. As I record this, Congress is working to pass a budget which will fund the government for two years, thus hoping to narrowly avoid another shutdown. If a deal cannot be reached by the end of today, Thursday, the government will shut down for the second time this year. For anyone who's counting, it is currently early February. A few days ago, the House passed another stopgap bill, the fifth such bill since this round of budget voting began. It went to the Senate for approval, where the bill itself was all but ignored, and instead a deal was reached between Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer that greatly increases spending on both the military and domestic programs, including healthcare services for low-income children, and funding federal health services in Puerto Rico, where people are still struggling to rebuild the country after Hurricane Maria hit last year. The deal includes many concessions on both sides, leaving leaders of both parties in the Senate fairly satisfied, despite the projected increase to the deficit and ultimately the national debt. This significant deficit increase, however, has Republicans in the House voicing their disapproval, and the lack of protections for Dreamers in the bill has left Democrats in the House also feeling less than thrilled. So the likelihood of passage in the House of Representatives remains very uncertain. I'm recording on Wednesday afternoon, so much of this may have evolved by the time you hear this podcast. If you search Google News for Congress budget deal, 
that should give you a pretty solid idea of where things stand now. So last week, a classified memo written by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee was declassified and released, which, in a nutshell, alleges that the Russia probe is inherently biased and partisan. Now, much can be said for the irony of a partisan memo accusing others of partisanship, but we'll leave that one alone, and instead I'll just say that we discussed the memo briefly on the show last week, so if you're curious about its origins and what's inside, you can go listen to that story. The new development this week is that the Intelligence Committee unanimously voted to declassify the Democratic rebuttal. This second memo, currently being reviewed by the White House, is expected to provide context for the points offered by the Republican memo, which Democrats said used cherry-picked facts and misleading evidence. Just like the Republican memo, Trump has final say on whether or not to declassify it, though to declassify one and not the other would likely lead to heavy political backlash. So he is expected to release this memo as well. Again, by the time you hear this, the story will likely have evolved. National Headlines Elon Musk's private aerospace manufacturer SpaceX successfully launched another rocket this week, and this one carried with it a Tesla Roadster. Images and a live-streamed video of the Roadster soaring through space with its test dummy driver are both amusing and beautiful. The trip and the landing were quasi-successful. Two of the rocket cores landed exactly where they were supposed to. The third missed its mark and crashed into the ocean. All in all, SpaceX has now successfully launched 43 rockets and successfully landed 23. 2017 saw the loss of roughly 10,000 jobs in the solar industry, the first decline since the nonprofit research firm the Solar Foundation started keeping track of the statistic in 2010. The prevailing theory is that this is mostly due to a significant tax credit offered to individuals and corporations that switched to solar, which was supposed to expire in 2016. To take advantage of the final year of the tax credit, solar companies made a big push in 2016 and set record numbers for sales and installations as they prepared for the inevitable slowdown when the tax credit expired. Incidentally, Congress wound up extending that tax credit, and even the new GOP tax law keeps it in place. So now the credit won't expire until 2021. However, plans for a slowdown were already in place, so 2017's dip in solar activity is considered both expected and temporary. Many of the same analysts who make that claim, however, warn that with the new solar component tariffs and the unpredictability of Trump's energy policies, the industry might not grow as much as expected over the next several years. Despite the dip, the solar industry still employs roughly 250,000 people, more than the coal, oil, and natural gas industries combined, according to the Department of Energy. International Headlines According to an investigation conducted by the Associated Press, Russian hackers known by the collective name Fancy Bear exploited poorly protected email accounts of at least 87 people in the U.S. whose fields of work ranged from military drones to stealth fighter jets to cloud computing platforms. Apparently, a simple phishing technique was utilized, a process which involves fake links and or forms that lead the target to provide access to sensitive information, or the sensitive information itself. The AP reports that roughly 40% of those targeted clicked the malicious links sent by Fancy Bear. Before you get too judgmental though, remember that these phishing scams can look quite convincing, and might appear as something innocuous like a Google security alert or an email from a friend. Fancy Bear is one of the groups known to have interfered in the 2016 presidential election, and are specifically known for attempting to hack private email accounts of people involved in Hillary Clinton's campaign. The Winter Olympics will hold the opening ceremony on Friday. It will be shown live on TV at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 3 a.m. for all my California friends. And then the taped version will be shown at 8 p.m. Eastern. There are several stories worth following in this year's Olympics, which we will discuss as the games wear on, but the big one for the opening ceremony is that North and South Korea will be marching under one united flag.
Climate Watch. So you've probably heard over the years that thawing permafrost is bad news for the planet. Essentially, it creates an exponential problem. Humans release a certain amount of greenhouse gases, and that warms the planet, which causes permafrost to thaw. Permafrost has massive amounts of greenhouse gases frozen inside it, so as it thaws, it releases those gases into the atmosphere, thus compounding the original warming trend. As if that wasn't scary enough, a study was published this week in the journal Geophysical Research Letters, which claims that there is anywhere from 15 to 32 million gallons of mercury frozen in the permafrost as well. The scientists who published the study and those who have commented on it consider this an unpredictable potential disaster. The most likely scenario is that as the mercury thaws, it will flush out through rivers into the Arctic Ocean, thus entering the water supply, where it can quickly travel up the food chain and affect life forms on every level. I know it sounds a bit like a broken record at this point, but climate scientists say the best and potentially only course of action is to keep the permafrost frozen, which would require an immediate, significant reduction in the use of fossil fuels. Side story. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the New England Patriots in a thrilling Super Bowl last Sunday. Together, the teams racked up 1,151 yards, the most ever in an NFL game. Since then, there has been a flurry of news surrounding Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. The Colts announced that McDaniels would be their new head coach next year, but hours later, McDaniels turned the job down electing instead to stay in New England. This surprising change of plans has led many to speculate that Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, widely considered to be among the best head coaches the game has ever seen, might be stepping aside, potentially opening up the top spot for someone like McDaniels. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to support my work. You get super cool rewards for signing up as a monthly donor, even for just $1 a month. Uh, you get access to any bonus content we create, you get a personal thank you on the air, and a fancy donor placard on the website. Even at that $1 tier, it means so much to us. If everybody paid $1 a month, it would actually pay for the hosting costs on SoundCloud, be able to pay the co-host of my other show, Pop-Up, which you should also check out. It would go a long way towards buying a high-quality microphone. If you can pitch us one quarter a week, $1 a month, that would mean so much to us, and the rewards only get cooler from there. Big thanks this week to April Anderson, who joined the donor ranks. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or want to send me a new study that shows that just one glass of mercury each night is actually good for mental cognition, feel free to email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address, as well as a link to all my sources, in the description of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at CribNotesCast. Throughout the week, I post cool articles I find. Sometimes I post stories there that uh, don't quite make the cut on this show, since we only have 10 minutes. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then.